Welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. This is episode 154, and I'm Aaron, and was when with me as always is Dave and Fredo. Hi, guys. Hello. And Dave must be like uh, frozen in time, so we'll he'll join us here shortly. But uh, you know, it was kind of funny. Well, tonight we, you know, we didn't. Well, last week's episode we talked a lot about uh, Star Wars Celebration, all the stuff that was introduced uh, and announced. Um, and we're saving this week to talk about the last two episodes of season three of The Mandalorian. And um, it's really interesting. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on this. Now I can't tell if Fredo is frozen as well. No, he's not. Okay, he looked up. Um, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on this, but it was like after last week's episode, I was like, oh, all the things to talk about, all the things to talk about. Oh, man, it would have been like high in speculation. Mm-hmm. And now after the, the se- season finale, I'm just like, eh. I, mean, I, 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 went, I went from, you know, the first drop on the uh, the roller coaster to we're coming into the station. And, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, so it's, um, you know, I really, my emotions leveled out big time. Um and it's going it, to, we should have a retrospective at some point of all the times that Aaron was wrong um, speculating about this, this season. But uh, like I said, it was Dave, you were, you were getting back online. I said, you know, after last week's episode, I was like, oh man, I wish we'd be talking about it because all the things and this and what's going on here and that and this. And then after last night's uh, season finale, I was just kind of like, all right. I mean, it's so it's yeah. like I don't I don't feel like I have to talk about all those things anymore. Um, but uh, one interesting thing, and before we dive into trivia, I do want to bring up this is so we talked about who were the spies, who were the spies, what are the you know what's who you know everything like this. Oh. There was um, I was listening to a podcast. This was on uh, the Steel Wars podcast, and and the guy said, Haas said he goes, "This is not my." theory said but it was going around online um and it makes total sense um that somebody said that spies referred to um the 12 spies as reported in the book of numbers in the bible where moses sent um israelite chieftains one from each of the 12 tribes to scout out the land of canaan for 40 days as a uh, future home for the israelite people and and with all the other titles being kind of biblical in nature um you know it it tracks so i don't think i think it was kind of a red herring it was too easy we're like okay there's one spy who's the other spy but it was more about scouting out your home so yeah so i thought that was kind of interesting i think i think think, uh just kind of adds up i think the finale was the most it was conventional in the most unconventional way kind of like as you've there's extra expectations and they went a separate route that kind of worked so so anyway we'll we'll talk about all those uh um things when we start diving into the episode um but uh you know so uh let's just let's dive into some trivia here um because there's no real Saints news except for the draft is coming up, and we're gonna. I, I do you get excited about the NFL draft, Dave? 
Um, that's a loaded question because uh, I used to. Uh, I I would I would track it. I would watch every minute of coverage. Uh, I would you know get involved in the draft guides and scouting things, and I was into it. Um, it sort of sucked any desire that I ever had for the entire process out of me uh, by mucking around with the schedule as much as they have and Hollywooding it up with trying to spectacle it up and everything. And when it was, it was in New York and they just called out names and the guy came up on stage and they shook hands and they showed some highlights and it was on to the next guy. Um, Those were the salad days for me. Yeah. You know, I think that's the thing is that to me, I don't, it's, it's kind of like college football as well when everybody's like, oh, Nebraska got a four-star or five-star recruit or whatever. It's like, that doesn't matter to me until the person's on the field producing for my team, you know? And it's like, so it's hard mm-hmm. for me to get excited about, well, and then we get, you know, Saints get draft picks like Alvin Kamara. Who's Alvin Kamara, you know? <laughs> and Or, um, well, even go back, Marcus Colston, what, seventh round draft pick? you know, and end up being one of the, probably one of the best players the Saints have ever had. I mean, so it's just, it's tough to get all fired up about it. But anyway, um, that's coming up. So we'll see who we draft. um, I will say this. There's an inverse relationship to how terrible your franchise is and how excited you are about the draft. That's Um, true. So we've been good for a while now, or at least good to average. And so the draft is a little less less high on the priority list Yeah, a little more ho-hummy all right well enough of that uh let's uh go into some star wars trivia um fredo to you first what bounty hunter does job of the hut charitably describe as my kind of scum i believe pronunciation counts Ooh, ooh. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I, yeah, I know for a fact it's Princess Leia who's underneath, uh, but I can't recall the name of the bounty hunter right now that she's impersonating. Dave, how would Don't you say per- Bosk? Oh, you're close. You're close. Bush, Bush, Bush. Yeah, okay, yeah. right. So, Bausch. I always Bausch. pronounced it Bausch. Uh-huh. And then, like, I think all the young kids nowadays call it Boosh. Which sounds, sounds too much like douche to me, so it's like mm-hmm. I can't I can't go that route. But anyway, it's but no, I always said Bausch. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. think there. I don't know if there is a um, correct uh, pronunciation of it. But mm-hmm. um, and by the way, they talk about in the Shadows of the Empire novel. They talk about how she got that um, bounty hunter armor. So that's kind of a it's a non-canon book, but it's a fun book. All right, so, da, 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 da. Dave, what is Luke's two-word response when Leia wonders if Han quote cares about anything or anybody? I care. Is I care? That's right. All righty. So to me, da, 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 da. who tells C three PO to shut up for blurting out? Oh, you can probably just stop right there. Uh, but anyway, no, actually, it's not the obvious answer. Who tells C-3PO to shut up before blurting out the odds of surviving a Star Destroyer assault? That was actually Princess Leia. Yeah. 
She just tells him to shut up. Han says, never tell me the odds. Anyway, right. all right. Now we're all warmed up. So, uh, Fredo, what's on our what's on our news agenda for this evening? Uh, just a couple of quick items. Uh, first one is kind of interesting, kind of more, more stuff kind of came out after a celebration. They were talking to um, Leslie Hedlund, who's the showrunner and creator of The Acolyte. Sorry, every time I and, hear her name, I just think of, that's Hedley. Sorry. <laughs> Keep going. Hedley Lamar, yeah. Yeah, so no, uh, so yeah, of course, she's just still kind of keeping most of the major elements in, in check. Uh, but she's kind of said that she was um, what interested her work, because we're talking about the end of the High Republic period, is that she would present the Jedi. Let me see, what's her quote? The quote is this. It's, I think it's difficult to do a show that is critical in any way of the Jedi. And I think that you saw that with Ryan Johnson's film. Like, I think that especially in that moment, people were very nervous about saying this particular institution may not be the light and perfect stunning group of heroes that are totally nobly intentioned. One thing that I think they would say, Dave Filoni, they say is that they are fallible. That's really the story that George told with the prequels, the fall of this particular group. So she's discussing how her show is not going to be necessarily kind to the Jedi. This is going to be a story about bad guys and the Jedi, while not necessarily the bad guys, will be antagonists, you know, they're going to be the, you know, kind of like the gunslinger walking into a bar that everybody knows has something that nobody, none of them else has. So their people, their characters are going to make other characters nervous. So how do you do that in a way that is new and refreshing I understand. and uh, that still feels Star Wars? It's a yeah. challenge. I, under, I understand where she's coming from, but I disagree with her premise on The Last Jedi. People were not upset with about how the Jedi were per, were portrayed. They were upset about the way Luke Skywalker because if it would have right. been any other Jedi, I think they would have been just fine. But everybody was wanting to see Luke ignite the green. They wanted Luke to be the, um, you know, Mandalorian the super, Luke, the superhero. Yes, and they didn't get that. So I think, I, I think if it would have been like, and I mean any other Jedi, I mean what I'm talking about is like take obscure Jedi that nobody's ever really heard about, not Luke Skywalker, and I think they would have bought that story a little bit more. So, I don't know, but uh, yeah, it, I mean, it is going to be interesting with with the acolyte. I'm it because it does sound like things are going to get kind of turned on their heads, um, but they're also going to be dealing with. Um, I mean, there's fair bit of the population that have not read any of the High Republic stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. Yeah. some present company included here. You know, it's um, you know, so it's going to be a little bit tough to you know, get your feet into that. I'm not saying it's going to be tough. I'm saying there's, if I'm creating the show, I've got to think about, like you said, Fredo, how do you make it still feel Star Wars? And when it's like a totally different thing, you know, so. A way to be Star Wars would that be the Star Wars that we've seen and know. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's going to be it's going to be different um and it has to be uh and so um it, it, i don't think labels are as going to be as important in this in this context because um our understanding of what the jedi are and who they can be should should be a little maybe a little off kilter um because it's again they're not 
they're not a monolith that stayed static for generations necessarily. Um, we know that they they weren't able to adapt and they were self-critical in that way. And this, they talk about their own downfall. And uh, we were just talking about that Luke Skywalker scene and um, Last Jedi where he's talking about that and, and how they were unable to move quickly and adjust. But um, it doesn't have to be that way um, pre, you know, right. Republic. And it can be whatever they want it to be, and um, they're they're talking about being in line with what we're reading in the books, and I think that's really smart. Um, but it's all about the characters. Um, well, at the end and- of the day, you know, is, is it a character who fits the ideal or does not fit the ideal, and and how how does that relationship work? You know, for that character. Well, and, um, and talking about the and talking about the series just in general, like Fredo, what you're saying, how to make it, you know, feel like Star Wars. There's there's parts of it that can be done just by, you know, it's my criticism of the Force Awakens when I was like, why don't the blasters sound like Star Wars blasters? Mm-hmm. You know, the minute you hear a lightsaber, you're going to be fine. You know, there's there's set dressings that you can do. You don't have to be as on the nose and, you know, fan servicey as the Mandalorian has been. Like, let's put a, you know, IG-88 head, you know, on the on the shelf over here, you know, or let's just take things. But the way a window looks or the way, you know, um, there, there are just things that you can do It's actually one of my criticisms of The Last Jedi as much as I like the Canto Bite, you know, casino type thing, and actually, when you watch the, um, the the documentary on it, it's the thing that the costume designer struggled with is because everything it he said it was unlike anything Star Wars they've ever done. They looked like they were wearing tuxedos and gowns, you know, and so it, you know, and so he was struggling with that. Like, how do we make it so it's still you know, get, gets what Ryan's wanting, but still feels like star Wars. Um, so there, besides, so there's things you can do. You don't have to mention a name. You don't have to, like you said, you don't have to do it. It's just little things that set the aesthetic that it's like, okay, I'm in star Wars. Cool. Mm-hmm. And I think I, that's part of the, no, go ahead. I was going to make one crack, hire the art director from Andor. <laughs> and that's what I, and that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna suggest that it seems like they got more comfortable doing that in Andor in depicting the, the wealth and the aesthetic. But then again, you look at something like the episode of uh, in the in the planet with uh, Princess Lizzo and uh, and Duke Jack Black kind of thing. You know, it, it, it ebbs and flows. Dave, never, I, never exact. I agree with you, Dave. Except for, do you think that there's anything? you know to the fact of the fact well the fact that we knew we were where we were in the timeline we've been in this portion of the timeline before it's like when you go if if you're going to it's like oh i'm gonna go travel abroad but you're going to a country that you've been to three times already the food's not going to sneak up on you the culture's not going to sneak up on you so it's like you're not okay you're you're you've been there before you know what i mean so you're, you're you're comfortable um this I think is going to be I, like so. I agree with your 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 take, but I wonder if, like I said, we're willing to accept some things because okay, I know where I am. Oh, oh absolutely. 
um and, and like like to be clear um so much from that time period has been established by now that they can just draw from so much source material and just Go and basically just yeah. yeah 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 and then they're just like well we're gonna just take this and we're gonna take a little bit of that and we're gonna do this um and then like and they can make it feel authentic easily like you're talking about this show maybe make it look like phantom menace a little bit uh but other than that like you don't have a lot to point to um so it is a it is a taller task but like again i i agree with the general premise which is like try to tie it into what we know and love um and 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 don't depart too too far all right well the acolyte i can't wait to see it um real 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 quick just gut gut response will we see yoda no well wait a minute how far back is this it's about a hundred years before uh phantom menace okay so he yoda is okay so you say no remember you say no i don't think at least not first season maybe not first season i think i think we Mm -hmm. will see yoda i think so too I don't think he'll be in it regularly. Um, like he'll he'll show up every now. He'll be like Boba Fett and Mandalorian. Like he'll just the Jedi coffee room or something. They'll sprinkle like, they'll sprinkle him in here and there. What's up, Yoda? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> okay. So um, he has a chance to ground it right and well, make it familiar and comfortable. We were just talking about that. It's like it needs to be grounded in star wars that we know and love I so the last time we tried to make a younger yoda though that will be kind of interesting um so um all right well the next step uh, I, I, if we only have the two bullets in the news items right mm-hmm. so we were going to mm-hmm. talk about this last week uh the marvel's trailer dropped um mm-hmm. last week and we had all this November celebration 10. stuff to talk about we didn't get to talk about this um so it was after we after the trailer played after Britt and I watched it. Britt and we both said that looks fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then if you watch the trailer more, and you and check out some of the 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 uh, YouTube channels that you know spend their whole day you know analyzing little bits of this. There's a lot of stuff in that trailer. Um, that it seems like there is some maybe some animosity between Monica Rambeau and um, and Carol Danvers, you know, Captain Marvel. Um, there's uh, you know you obviously see that they don't want to be well. Obviously, you know, Kamala Khan says, "Oh, we're a team," and they're all like, "No, we're not a team." So th- this isn't it. They made it look like kind of buddy cop film. But I don't think it's going to be that. I don't know. What were your initial thoughts, uh, Dave? I know you want to go deep into some things, but so we'll talk about the trolls later. Uh, but just your initial thoughts on the trailer for the Marvel. Well, yeah, I mean, it's hard to divorce the two because um, oh, I had the same. I had the same exact experience. I watched it and thought, like, well, this looks delightful. Um, it looks fun and interesting, and um very much in keeping with the aesthetic of keeping things sort of young and fresh 
which I thought like Ms. Marvel did just a tremendous job. It was very much like Spider-Man Homecoming in that way, you know, set in this teenage universe with teenagers talking about their problems. And that's just going to be like a key element in the show. Sorry, deal with it. Um, and so much so like the fact that they're like staying true to that um, with like a freaky Friday dynamic, mm-hmm. which I just, I, I thought was a really clever way to nerf Carol, like throw her off balance, essentially, you know, she, she loses her powers, but then she gets them back, but then she loses them, throw her off balance. It, it, it keeps her from being just like this overpowering force that takes all tension away from the movie. So I thought it was a really, it was a really clever way to, to sort of do this. And, um, I don't know. Again, like the tone looked fun and light and young and fresh, and it just it looked good. It looked good to me. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm, I'm there right there with you guys. I think they've managed to marry what the best parts of Captain Marvel were in and of itself with the best parts of Miss Marvel, and they're throwing Monica Rambeau in there as well. So it creates a, an interesting dynamic because the little thing we saw in the trailer was how whenever they activate their powers, they, you know, swap spots, basically, no matter whether they're in the galaxy. So one can be in a living room and activate the powers, and then, boom, she's transported halfway across the galaxy to the middle of a battle scene. So that's going to create a bit of the hectic excitement and action sequences uh, for the movie. But obviously the big sell for me is the characters, because that's, you know, it's interesting to see, uh, you know, how somebody like Kamala deals with the dynamics between Monica and uh, Carol, how Carol deals with all the fallout from Endgame and everything, how Monica deals with the fallout from uh, 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 WandaVision. Sorry, thank you. Couldn't couldn't think of it for a moment. Uh, But yeah, so it's there's a natural energy driving that. I think that's going to be good. It should make for a fun ride, if nothing else. You know, it'll also be uh, interesting to see how many people watched Miss Marvel because that's going to be important. Because again, watching some of the trailer breakdowns, they showed clips again from Miss Marvel that where they were talking about the two Bengals, 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 yeah, Bengals. Yeah, I can't remember how the, what the pronunciation <laughs> the is, but the they, Bengals. The Bengals, but they, Not the but, they but they they referenced two of them. You know, and Kamala has one, you know, and now this new villain, whoever they're going up against, it appears, has the other. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's also maybe the Shang-Chi connection, because mm-hmm. we talked about the Ten Rings in Miss Marvel as well. Um, and, of course, the final, the post credit scene, um, they're talking about it. So I, there's there's all these things. Um but uh, that that the 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 two Bengals that's going to be interesting. Um, but it was so on that day though. Now let's talk. Let's talk about the yeah. stuff. I mean, it's like I don't know why anybody would have been surprised. It's like the trolls were waiting for that day for that tro- for that uh, trailer to drop. You have you know a an all basic a, a female lead cast that is you know includes a Pakistani girl and a uh, african-american woman they they were gonna go nuts so um i don't i don't understand 
I just don't, I, I still don't understand why people go off on uh, Captain Marvel. I'd love that movie, but I'm not, yeah. I'm not a jerk. So I don't know. <laughs> There's something really um, sort of powerful about that movie and from a feminist perspective, because of the, um, just the, the ability of her, the closing argument from um, Jude Law's character it's like now is the time where you have to prove yourself to me and she's like no <laughs> no and I just thought that was so perfect um, and it was like a very it was so empowering in a different way than all the stuff that you saw in Wonder Woman right which which I think came out the year before or a year and a half before um, which was very like a woman can be a hero as well was a little more direct message and and here it's more like destroy the patriarchy (laughs) which again if you're not an idiot you're not threatened by that because like i it's not it's well you know it's not a threat to me that's the thing i get i mean um first of all i want i want to say loved and i know that i was watching i think it was either new rock stars or uh screen crush but they were talking about the trailer and they pointed out the music that they use in this trailer beastie boys intergalactic it's a Mm -hmm. cool song but the first line from that song and this what they pointed out that says don't you tell me to smile oh yeah you know it was because people made that criticism of um of uh, Brie Larson saying you need to smile more. There's actually a line in Captain Marvel of, you know, you need to smile or let me see your smile, something like that. But I love, they start with that. So the MCU, maybe I said this last week, I don't know, but the, the MCU has kind of given their finger a little bit to that group. But to what I was going to say, you know, it's like, I, I guess maybe because I've been, worked in professions as a teacher. And then when I got into tech, I've been surrounded by uh, highly diverse, highly and highly diverse teams and very and highly intelligent women. And but my best bosses have been female. And it's like I so, yeah, I'm, I'm not threatened by this. And so I don't man, I just it's tough for me to even. So that's why I don't give give win to for them to breathe. No, I mean the, you know, the trolls, it's like, I'm not going to, I don't know. I, I think the funniest thing is, and kind of sort of when I think about it is how obvious it was that they were going to come out, how yeah. almost like it's like, it's predictable. Like there, there's no, they don't like Brie Larson. They don't like Captain Marvel. They didn't like Miss Marvel. They're, this is a movie that does kind of appeal to them. Now, sane, normal human beings would go like, nope, didn't like it. Didn't like the first one. I'm going to go see the next one and move on with our lives. They have to make a point that, no, I do not like this, and you must listen to me, and this is bad because I didn't like this. And you're like, wait a minute. you not liking it is one thing, but this has a right to exist. And if there's one thing that I think Marvel Phase 4 and now into Phase 5 is stressing is we are not going to be tethered to the just white dude, just white dudes uh, leading our movies. We want to be diverse. We want to be a universe. We're going to have cast of characters in our stories that reflect the dynamic and complex reality of our world. And you can be down with that or you don't have to be. But if you're not with it, fine. 
here's your exit. But again, and I think it's just it's hilarious how bad how bad it is think, when they come out. I really do think that people sit there and mark their calendars to be able to mm-hmm. you know go after they people on Twitter mm-hmm. because it's like today, you know, SpaceX launch and you know of course the rocket blew up you know a couple minutes after launch, and I made a just a joke. You know, it was kind of, it was, it was a, it was an easy Elon Musk, what he's doing to Twitter joke. And it's like somebody I don't know, just like starts chastising me for like calling into the integrity of SpaceX engineers. I'm like, what the heck? Sorry, I ruined launch day for you, my friend. I was just making a joke. (laughs) So, you know, to be fair, the the rocket exploded and ruined launch day. But, you know, no, it was planned. That's a whole other thing. But yeah. what, I, what I'm saying is, is that it seemed like this guy was at the ready for people oh, to, yeah. to, oh, you yeah. know, ruin his, you know, whatever. And so it's just like they, they set their, their, you know, their Twitter feeds to be able to find, you know, or just do a rant, do a search to see who's, you know, complain, who's talking about the Marvels. And so now I'm going to go after you. Um, I, I've given some thought to this sort of thing because, like, again, like we're sitting here talking about this and trying to offer our thoughts to the world, you know, and we're going to post our podcast on the internet and everyone and all 20 of our listeners will, li- will tune in and listen to what our thoughts are. And I was thinking, like, what makes us, you know, not hypocritical in that sense? And I think, like, if there's if there's a difference, it's that our agenda is not awfulness it's kindness in general i mean we're trying to have fun with this but and we're trying to you know we go into the weeds a little bit here and, well, there, and you, you know, can be critical without being an McConkey. i think that's exactly it um and we've you know there, there are ways to go about this stuff. again like personal attacks you know adding you know like getting you know actually finding these people on social media or wherever you can find them, people who are actually involved with the creation of these properties and then just like being nasty to them. Um, that's beyond <laughs> that crosses the line. You know, you can't do that. And like people, I don't know if there's just like something that like is broken inside of them or, or they weren't ever taught this stuff by their parents or there were no consequences for them. I don't know, but that's a very clear line that you do not cross again, regardless of what your feelings are on a, on a particular property. You know, if I, if I at Daisy Ridley and, and say like you ruined star Wars for me and you're an awful person and I hate your guts and I hope you die. Somebody, I hope somebody kills you, you know, like how, how do you not understand that that's crossing a line? Well, I mean, you you, you brought up a good point there, Dave, because this actually on Pelicans, New Orleans Pelicans Twitter, people went after Antonio Daniels, not people, a person went after Antonio Daniels and said that his positivity um, had, how did he put it? It's like um, basically made him sad because it gave him hope that the Pelicans were going to be really good and then the Pelicans didn't. You know, then they, they would lose oh. games. And then so he just ruined his whole, you know, ruined his whole day. It was Antonio Daniels fault for, you know, and it's so, so that's, I mean, it, I, I, again, I, I'm with you. It's like, why, 
it's it wasn't AD's fault. The Pelicans play bad, you know. Those are the people you should be mad at. Um, but but then it's you know the, to the other part of it is that you you talked about the the four of us the four of us three of us I'm tired the three of us have this have this podcast and you know what makes us not hypocritical that it's we we don't have any problem recognizing our privilege as males right dave you and i have no problem recognizing our privilege as white males you yeah. know it's um so people have real problems acknowledging and we're getting way deep now but they have big problems acknowledging or separating or or trying to come to the realization that acknowledging privilege doesn't make you a bad person you know to say that it's you know i don't have to drive through gretna with both hands on the steering wheel at 10 and 2 exactly at the at the speed limit i don't have to do that that i mean that doesn't make me a bad person but recognizing that you know my african-american friends they they drive through gretna they've got to have their hands at 10 and 2 and drive the exact speed limit otherwise you know it's not going to be the same event so um, can i can i say that acknowledging privilege too doesn't actually suggest that you you as an individual have not encountered difficulty correct and and like and i think like some people see that as a very black and white thing it's just like oh you know you're saying what everything's are you talking my about? fault and i've never yeah. had anything bad happen to me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, but, and it's... but we said there we we used personal pronoun with me and you know my so it's a very selfish mm-hmm. you know point of view um and yeah you know when we talk about the marvels we have to you know we talk about you know um you know that the whole incel aspect to social media you know that's a that's a real thing and you know i don't know we're getting way i don't know i think it's worth talking about because like if if there's somebody who's listening to us right now and and they maybe their thoughts on this on this topic lend a little more towards the the side of white maleness um maybe it's helpful for them to hear an, an alternate perspective that that can you know, kind of paint a different picture. I mean, it, I was talking again, we're way off course, but like I was talking to my daughter about, um, an issue, um, relating to, um, sexual orientation. I'm not going to go any further into the weeds on that than that, but, um, I spoke to her on, on the level of, everyone's deserving of respect no you know no viewpoint on the on on this is any um more valid than another no more no orientation is than another um and that um we should we should all attempt to meet people where they are and like i was thinking about it from my perspective when i was younger i was like I was beat over the head with uh, heteronormative messaging daily, every everywhere, and it was like all I was ever exposed to. Now again, I think I would have always turned out the way that I did, but again, I didn't really like have an outlet or a role model to look up to 
that was different than white male hetero guy. Um, That's a new Marvel and... superhero. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And white male hetero guy. Um, and so, like, it was Sorry, really... Sorry, Chris like... Evans. <laughs> and, and so, like, it's like, you, you may not see it, but, like, our kids, you know, they do see it. They do see it like when and again, it's important for them to to see people that they can identify with, regardless of, you know, race, gender, sexual orientation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's important. Um, Yes. And that's the thing is that the again, the people get the, the white men get ticked off when the movie is not about them Mm -hmm. suddenly they can't relate and they get mad and they get in their feelings and they lash out and it's like all right well you know well we have we've had britney williams on here before she didn't see herself in star wars she said that she didn't see herself in star wars you know and you know she just wrote a book and she's you know writing characters that you know she, she, I read an article. She said she wanted to see herself in these things, and you know, um, well, Fredo, you mentioned you know Diego Luna's uh, father or grandfather that father father know, got choked up because he finally saw himself in Star Wars, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like it's not all about you, McClunky head. I mean, it's imagine. So okay, so yeah, I don't, I don't see myself you know, in, um, you know, in a movie, let's just say Captain Marvel, I don't see myself in Captain Marvel, but because I'm an empathetic person, I can see what that means to live. Mm -hmm. You know, I can, when I watch Miss Marvel, I can see what that means to my, you know, my former students who are Pakistani, you know, that, that it's like that has to that has to mean something that they can finally go and you know see this um yeah yeah i was just gonna say real quick and it makes me it reminds me that actually you know who uh my nephew who is white on one side and hispanic on the other his favorite mcu character is black panther (laughs) it's not captain america thor iron man it's black panther and i'm like and it's not necessarily because he sees himself in the character he sees there's something about the character that appeals to him and he just goes with it. And that's, he's comfortable with that. And I think what's weird is, particularly talking about characters that are created to appeal to kids, kids are way more fluid and comfortable with seeing and that. But that is also why stuff like having the Little Mermaid be adapted the way it is. And now the Marvels is that you kids need to see in some way themselves up on the big screen. And then they internalize the values of those characters and they, they, share them in the world you so teach them empathy they'll have empathy and, and let's talk let's talk a little bit about we we are all coming from a point of privilege on this as well because we live mm-hmm. in one of the most you know diverse yeah cultural cities on the planet me growing up and dave you grew up in kansas right so yep. you weren't too far away i mean my high school um, through my four years or three years at high school, because we had sophomore, junior, senior, um, probably three black kids. In yeah. you know, and this is in in a class in 
you know, my senior class was about 425. So we're talking about over 1200 kids in the, in the school, three black kids. Um, you know, and then I went to teach, you know, I taught in Nebraska and it was white, 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 you know, we had, you know, our Hispanic population, we, but it was not very diverse. Um, and the thing that has, I so I've, how, how am I so fortunate that I came out with empathy and then so going to work, like I said, in the tech industry and now my teams are much more diverse and the things that I have learned, um, I, and I, and I keep learning, but, um, it's I don't I, like living here too. Right. Like well, living, it, you know, yeah. Um, and like, I, I just think like so many people that like spew the nonsense that the, they regurgitate well, that they hear on and Fox my, news. That's what I was wondering though, is those people who are trolling on, you know, you know, trolling, are they living in those white, white, Sometimes, white, yes. white, 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 you know, yeah. you know, areas where they're, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't understand why, why having Ms. Marvel be a thing is a thing or why having Black Panther or Shang-Chi, why those characters matter because they're like, well, everything you were doing before was fine, but yeah, in your neck of the woods is fine, but halfway around the globe, there's other people with other complexions and other ideas and they get a chance to see themselves up there too and they deserve that as well. Yeah. Anyway, Marvels look good. You know, so. <laughs> Can't wait for it. But like I said, I, I think that I think the movie is not going to be quite the tone that we got in the trailer. It might uh, have been a bit of a misdirect. We'll see. Yeah. We'll talk about misdirect. Let's let's just I, I'm not even going to I don't know. We don't even have to go. Let's just let's just talk about the last episode because there's no there's no point really. We can we can backtrack and, you know, talk about some things about the second to last episode you know i'll I'll just briefly lead off with that i rewatched it um prior to watching the latest episode and some of the visuals are actually really really strong in that episode um i wasn't really appreciating it upon first watch but i think like that was one of my major takeaways um re-watching it um really kind of cool uh the way that they um sort of executed this planet and and the uh, survivors on that planet um some of the stuff worked better than some of the rest of the stuff it's star wars television that that sort of comes with the territory um but yeah it was and you know the gags we talked about grogu with the yes and the no and the, um and i think like that was a smart thing to do with him to give him a little more agency but very um, practical because they knew they were going to be running around hallways and they couldn't be, yeah. you know, you had to give them something. <laughs> running, running like stewing family guy after Brian. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, like that, that, you know, that, the, that first episode, um, the biggest thing about that was like, it left you guessing, right. We were all like, well, there have to be other spies and, you know the betrayal is coming and lo and behold <laughs> nothing you know it was i mean i think what fredo you were saying at the at the offset it was like it was i mean they they just they they wrapped everything up in a bow and it was like you know it's like no 
there's uh nobody turned on anybody um all the mandalorians are friends moff gideon as i'm guessing dead um you know grogu and uh, see a body yeah well i didn't see a body no you're right but we didn't see Kanan Jarrus's body when basically the exact same thing happened. So, um, you know, I, so it was to me like I was, say, I was saying when you froze Dave earlier, to, to me it kind of, uh, and I, I'm just, I'm not going to say this as a criticism. It's just it was anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. It was like it, it was like, okay, cool, we fought. You know, it, it just was because all the things that it seemed like they were setting up through the season and maybe lesson learned, maybe it just don't don't read into things too much and just watch the episode and then watch the next episode and wait till you get to the end. I don't know. It's fun to kind of speculate, but some things they were you got to admit they were leaning kind of heavy on, you know, we've talked about a bunch the armor like is she on the straight and narrow? totally on the straight and narrow you know axe was he on the straight and narrow totally on the straight and narrow but they made it seem like you know it, it, that he wasn't going to be there um but yeah you know, there's there's tons of those things and maybe that was purposeful you know misdirection um i will say i wish we would have it's like we we got what 30 seconds of Oh, those are Moff Gideon clones, and then Moff Gideon is dead, and they're destroyed, and we're going to be moving on. You know what I mean? Yeah, from the from the point of view of tying up and wrapping up questions that we've had since the start of the show, this episode did a good job of that because that answers why it is that they were after Grogu to begin with. The idea of he's trying to build the perfect dark trooper. He's basing it on himself. We know that this is part of the kind of mindset that's going to lead to Palpatine and Snoke. Um, but I also think, yeah, I also think if there was one criticism of this episode, it's really not that it ended up safe and it tied everything with a neat bow. I like that. You know, there's sometimes we get too accustomed to the there's going to be a moment where it pulls the rug up from under our feet. There's going to be a sad moment or a moment of, you know, where a hero dies. And I love the fact that now and then, okay, maybe the heroes all make it out alive and they, they win and everything's okay. You need to do that in order to, when you pull the rug from under their feet, it feels earned or it feels unique. Uh, the one criticism I would really have about this episode is just, it was rushed. It felt like you were just going and going and going. And here goes Axe up to the Star Destroyer. And here comes the Mandalorians dropping in, you know, and uh, fighting the, the Stormtroopers. And here comes Din and he's fighting uh, uh, Moff Gideon. So you had all this stuff happening, but there was no moment to really start processing some of the stuff till after it was over. Well, uh, to your point, to your point, they go underground and it's like, here's all this lush vegetation. And they're, mm-hmm. they're saying, yeah, we've been farming. And then they're like, and then the armorer says, hey, we're here. Oh, God, we got to go fight again. So it's like mm-hmm. when you wanted to spend five minutes, because unless you, unless if you haven't watched Clone Wars, if you haven't watched Rebels, you don't know that Mandalore basically kind of looked like Endor, you know, like maybe not as many trees, but it was lush and, you know, fields and green and it, you know, not this, you know, barren thing, you know, rock of a planet. But so here we are. And, and Bo-Katan was even like, I only ever saw this stuff in our dome cities. And 
but uh, you're right. Off, we got to go. We got to go fight because everybody's here. So, and that's been my thing, you know. And again, I don't talk about filler episodes or stuff like that. But can we, can we pace ourselves a little bit better? For example, the second to last episode. Why did we need a big monster attack? You know that yeah. that kills uh that kills some valuable seconds of that could have been used uh, you know when they're underground and seeing the vegetation later on, but it's like that because the the way that ended up it's like that we have a big monster attack it's not even a mythosaur we just get a monster attack it destroys the ship and they but they end up going to the place where they needed to go anyway, so it was very inconsequential. Yeah, no, I I would have completely lopped that off. It didn't matter at all. Um, Wrath of Khan, um, with the the cave and there we're growing vegetation here. You know, like very Wrath of Khan vibe. But they, Wrath of Khan did it so much better, um, because it was like they played off of this idea that they they didn't they didn't they couldn't go anywhere and they were stuck there for a little while and so they had to sort of like talk. Of, about like what are we doing here to survive and like what what's going on and talking about these ideas of like renewal and aging and things of that nature and like that stuff really worked um it really really worked and like again like if you haven't seen that movie in a while like that 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 sequence they really mine it because they think they're going to be stranded there um and and kirk's playing it close to the chest and he's he's got a pen but everyone else there is kind of like oh gosh we're stuck and we're just we're stuck here um and and there was just the poignancy to all of that and like they could have played that the same way here like we're really stuck until our reinforcements arrive and i don't know if our reinforcements are even coming and you know i don't know if we're going to get out of this and they could have just caught their breath well and, and- and I've said it. Before, I've, I've said it before on the po- you know, on this podcast where it's like you know I remember seeing a band talk about creating a set list, you know, for a live show. It's like you you start off strong and you get them all pumped, and then you take them down, and then you start mm-hmm. ramping it back up again and reeling them back in, get them fired up again, and then you bring them back down again, and then it's like you push to the end. And to Fredo's point, this was all, and this has been my, again, I said the Marvel movies were the same way. The last episode is always the fight scene and pace it a little bit better. Like I said, so you can have those moments of give yourself a little bit more time to reflect, you know, and not just run down the same alley or same hallway shooting stormtroopers. Um, but no, I mean, like I said, so every everything that I was speculating was wrong. And but thank to God, fair, I mean, it's... thank God we uh, Din and Bo. There's uh, we can okay. So what's interesting? So it seems like um, first of all, I was going to say thank God Din and Bo with the whole you know shipping thing didn't happen. Um, but the thing I found very interesting, I mean, the way they ended this episode. Um, is that all right? Breaking the dark saber, so all the people who don't like the dark saber don't have to deal with it anymore because we just broke it. It's done, and I don't think it's going to get stitched back together like Luke's like saber, you know, after the Last Jedi. So that's broken. 
the Mandalorians have their home. So they're back on Mandalore. Um, so they can do their things. Um, Din and Grogu now are going to be independent contractors for the New Republic. And they even said, so you can go on your own little adventures. I mean, they're telling us what season four of... Uh, basically, they've cut like this whole storyline that's been going this whole season. They're like, bow, wrapped, you know, present, under the tree, done. You know, we'll we'll probably see them. We'll have to come get the Mandalorians for the big Thrawn battle in whatever movie that Dave Filoni's doing. But otherwise, okay, y'all are on Mandalore. Cool. Now we're going to, you know, season four of The Mandalorian is probably going to be more Lone Wolf and Cub type stuff. Little side quests of Grogu and Din. And I think what's interesting is because we saw him in the lovely... Uh... New Republic uh, bar cantina where they serve chicken nuggies for Grogu to finally dine on. Uh, he makes a he kind of becomes an independent contractor for the New Republic. So I imagine that next season, where we're gonna see is more kind of the Elia Kane sightings, the other Imperial remnants kind of messing things up. So it's not necessarily gonna be, you know, this season was all about the quest for Mandalore the identity of the Mandalorians, if, could they come together, could they retake their home world? That, 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 that's resolved now. It's about the New Republic, about guiding us towards the path that I think Ahsoka is also going to be walking, about the threat that's going to be grabbed yes. and So I imagine that's where Rose is going to converge. It was, it, was a, it was necessary chess piece that Dave Filoni and John Favreau were putting there, like I said, because we're going to need the Mandalorians to help us in this epic battle. I mean, I, so mm -hmm. now I think you're right. I think Din and Grogu are going to be the the vessel, I suppose, so we can learn more about how the First Order came to be, how, you know, how Thrawn is becoming a threat, stuff like that. It's just going to be seen through their eyes. So we're going to get more, you know, it's not going to be about the Mandalorian per se, but it's going to be, again... Right. So, I don't know, Dave, what do you think about the way they wrapped all this up? So, like, I really liked that they didn't um, go too ham-fisted with the ex extended universe stuff, right? Um, I thought they handled that well. They sprinkled in just enough. Like, they sprinkled it in at the beginning of the second-to-last episode. The guy um, the from Spires. Heart of the Empire and uh, Hux's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they did all that there. And actually, it made sense um, because it was at that point we were learning about where this series was headed at that in that moment. And it made sense in terms of uh, Moff Gideon, like, how does he even have forces? Where are they coming from? All of these things. So, so you get, you're getting answers. I thought that was really well done. But like. Fredo's exactly right about how this this last episode really did subvert expectations by actually sort of playing it safe. Um, I was expecting silly fan theory you could ever think of was out there, and I was like expecting half of them to be true. You know, it's like uh, you were talking about the shipping. You know, like okay, yeah, that's on the table. Um, I thought they might mind flay. I thought the mind flayer might come back into play with Din, make him forget Grogu or something. I thought I like thought Thrawn was um, going to be showing up. I... A lot of people were talking about Din dying or maybe even Grogu dying. 
Um, or Grogu somehow getting kidnapped by Moff Gideon again. Um, like none of that stuff was going down. And um, oh, and like cameos, right? That there were like no like Boba Fett didn't come in to save the day, right? right. Or you know, or whomever. Um, and so like uh, it just sort of like really they were like, nope, we're not gonna do any of that nonsense that you might think we're gonna do. We're just going to show you this battle between these two people that aren't getting along. Um, and like, I think the armor stuff in particular really was like, I was really grateful for um, because yeah, she's a different faction. Yeah. We could kind of see conflict arising at some point or if not a betrayal. Um, but they didn't go there yeah and it makes sense within the context of this story because like i said i went back and i rewatched the first episode and gideon's like completely surprised that they joined forces yeah he's like no no they're not supposed to do that what like like no like that doesn't happen they're not no you're wrong but so he was like completely flat-footed by that um so it makes sense from that perspective that he wouldn't have like inserted himself in, in, in some way and, and like put them against one another because they've already united and there's nothing he can do about it. Um, and then I also like the fact that the armor just sort of like, was like, <laughs> here I am. We're just, we're just doing this thing because there's a greater enemy or we're uniting against a common foe. You know, like that's an that's an old story, but it's it can be a good story, and uh, I liked that aspect of it as well. And so, like, ultimately, I was happy with a lot of it. When um when Moff Gideon got like monologuing, um, I got a little cheesy. Uh, I, I the one thing I don't have the Force. You know, it's like you know I can read between the lines. I I know what you're talking about here, buddy. Here's the thing. I don't want to talk. Maybe I want to put a primer in for next week. I think what we need to do is we need to um, each. We don't have to go back and watch each episode, but just kind of go through the episodes. And we need to identify what are the things that are still, you know, things that make you go, hmm, you know, because there are, for example, I'm going to give you one example. Okay, so we understand where the tie interceptors came from. We don't really understand why at that point they bombed the crap out of Bo-Katan's castle. So the, there, right. I, th I think there are things throughout this entire season, and I'm not saying that they don't have a place, but it's like the things that are still kind of unresolved and where, where we might see them again. Dave, you brought up the mind flare thing. You know, it's like that was dropped like a hot potato. So... Let's let's think about those for next week and maybe just like some some things that are that were just kind of like I said, just kind of shelved and didn't get a resolution. Um, you know, like I said, however, for this episode, what came on too quickly and just done away with was the Moff Gideon clones. I was not expecting to see that. And I think that's part of what made, you know, that's one of those things that you were like hoping like, okay, we might get an answer about this. Uh, you know, so that kind of thing where you could have a dynamic where, you know, 
Moff Gideon, why, you know, again, I go back to the answering questions from the beginning. Moff Gideon was behind the contract that the client gave to Din, actually to Jaren, because that's his first name, apparently, uh, <laughs> to go get. So I didn't mind it. And as, as a way to tie in everything that's going on behind the scenes, I kind of know what's going on behind the scenes, I didn't mind it. Also, from the standpoint of, and I was, I was thinking, if you're somebody like Moff Gideon and you had to see the Emperor and Vader kind of strut around having this one thing that you don't have, which is the force and the power that it brings, wouldn't you, after every, after they've you know, disappeared and the Empire's fallen apart, don't you think, I need that power? Don't you want that in order? Because that clearly puts you on a step above. And, you, and it just made me think to his reaction back at the end of season two finale when he sees Luke humming and his look is not one of, you know, his look is one of terror. He's terrified of this guy that he knows has all this power and he has no answer for him. So let me ask you guys a couple of uh, questions, first of all, and, and I'll ask it and give you my opinion right off the bat. Um, R5-D4 being kind of the hero droid, I dug it. What'd you guys think? Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, and the mouse droid army was funny, so I liked it. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was. I think it was a good little moment. Yeah, it's a good little moment, and you know, particularly given all the action, you needed to have those cute moments because, I mean, even Grogu in his battle with the Praetorian Guard couldn't give you cute moments. I mean, his his life's at risk, so you couldn't really so, go cute with him. But R five, that moment worked because of that. That's uh, okay. So two questions in one there. So a. How do we feel about the Praetorian Guards coming into these last two episodes? And B, um, because you mentioned Grogu's battle, what would you think of Grogu in the fight scenes um, in this last episode? Um, I thought the Praetorian Guards didn't really fit. It was like, I don't know, it was like, we just, I need to put something from the sea. It kind it was it was not a square peg round hole, but it was more of an octagonal peg in a round hole. Um, you can make it fit, but it was just kind of they just kind of stuck out. Um, and Grogu fighting, I dug it. Except they got to get that puppet moving its arms when it's running because it runs weird. <laughs> Dave, Dave, what'd you think of Victorian uh, Guards? First of all, it worked for me. Um, I thought that it was a, uh, an effective way to convey an advanced threat um, without like going like full Jedi or something or Sith. Um, so yeah, like, okay, you got your work cut out for you with these guys here. Um, and uh, they didn't just like immediately dispose of them either. You know, we saw this with uh, Paz Vizsla uh, in the first episode. So um, I thought that worked out really well, actually. And then, yeah, with Grogu, um, you know, he, yeah, let's but, figure something out with the puppet. But maybe. Here's, here's my thing about the <laughs> here's my thing about the Praetorian Guards. I agree with you, hundred percent, that it's like okay, this is a you know a new threat type of deal. But you have you just introduced all these Beskar wearing, you know, stormtroopers why not just give them the weapons that can pierce Mandalorian armor 
you know, it, you know what I mean? It just, it seemed like, uh, it kind of felt like, hey kids, it's Luke Skywalker, you know, moment. It's like, hey kids, remember these Praetorian guards? These were the cool things from The Last Jedi. So I think that's just one of the, and so it could have, it, it could have stayed within the Mandalorian story and given the same perceived threat because those, actually those stormtroopers end up becoming just bumbling stormtroopers like, all the other ones. Fredo, you've been wanting to say something for. I don't, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't necessarily think so. I think. I think you needed to have. I'm, the way I'm thinking is kind of like video game level design. You needed to set up a boss fight for uh, Din for Din Djarin, because he clearly was going to beat the stormtroopers' best armor, no best armor. He's worn it all his life he knows what it can do he knows how to take these guys on so he needed a level of threat higher and then the fact that it's his kid locked up in a room facing these guys increases the stakes for him to try to get through Moff Gideon to get to his kid now we know Grogu's you know has the force and therefore has some ability to defend himself but it creates a, a point of stress in the story i think if it just been any of the regular jetpack white dude uh, stormtroopers it would have felt like okay we're gonna have a moment where he's just holding them up into the air and just chucking them out like they're nothing that 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 threat had to be believable so that's why you put them in as for the puppet uh yeah i, I was really surprised that towards the end that he did still did not speak coherently they still kind of kitty babbling I wonder how much longer they're going to be able to go along with that in uttering actual words and not hitting that puberty stage, so to speak. Like, yeah, at what point I mean, does it go from baby Yoda to toddler Yoda or, you know, six-year-old yeah, Yoda? Like said, though, it, you know, it's the fact that, you know, Yoda ended up living to be 900 years old. They got, they, they've got some time where he can still be cute. Um, so... Can I say, like, too, with the video game leveling up thing, I really liked the sequence where he had to, uh, the droid had to unlock the, yes, the different this, shields. This whole last episode was, was nothing but a video game, you know, uh, prototype. <laughs> I told Britt, I, I paused, I said, well, I guess we know how the video game's going to be. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I also have to make the observation, unfortunately, that uh, the very end of this, uh, um, when she lost the dark saber, really reminded me of Spaceballs. Light speed too slow. Yes, we're gonna have to go right to ludicrous speed. <gasps> ludicrous speed, sir. We've never gone that fast before. I don't know if the ship can take it. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken. The Schwartz was in you all along. Oh, you you foolish man. You <laughs> fell for the oldest trick in the book. Here, let me give it back to you. Oops, you fell for that one too. But I think they needed to do that. And I think on a thematic level, the idea that... Because remember, when we first yeah. meet Bo-Katan in the season, she's sulking in her palace by herself. No purpose, no point, because she was beaten by Din for the, or she doesn't have the Darksaber. And now she's clearly established as the political, if not necessarily the entire uh, leader of the Mandalorian clans. You know, the armor being more the spiritual leader. She's more the secular leader. And uh, that's not coming anymore for me. Oh, I hold the magic stick or I, you know, you know, watery tarts handing out bits of, you know, weapons is not a way to select a government, so to speak. She's actually 
put in this position because she's demonstrated she has the skills and ability to lead. So I think that's yeah, that, that was necessary. And Din told her as much too on the on the boat earlier when when they were going to the battle. He was like, "I will follow you because of your honor, etc., and Which, your characteristics that you bring." All right, this is my last thing. This is Aaron's. Welcome to Aaron's mm -hmm. get off my lawn segment. Good news, everyone. I'm in terrible pain. It's my last thing. It's it's going back to that because I was listening to a podcast and they were talking is again getting into this whole bow din shipping business. They said that scene, which I thought was a powerful scene, you know, where he was saying, you know, honor, integrity, you know, that that those are the things that I pay attention to, not a not a saber. And he said, That's why I'm gonna follow you. And I cause I was talking to Fredo about this the other night. I said, you know, I can say to one of my, so anyway, this, this podcaster was saying at that moment, she was like, Oh, just kiss, please just kiss now. Just kiss. I was just like, no, I mean, why can't, I mean, no, yes, like, yes, no, yes. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> I, 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 it's like, I don't understand it. It's like, I can, if I was, if I am to give one of my colleagues, female colleagues at work say, you know what? I'm really glad we're on the same team. I learn a lot from you said you're a great leader um just i really appreciate what you do that doesn't mean that there's any romantic entanglements there or overtones or under whatever but it's like why do it, it's it kind of gets into what we were talking about earlier dave you know it's like this toxicity that is created online because it's like there has to be you know this um there has to be a thing there and it's like no, it's talking about respect. Mm -hmm. You know, not not love. It's talking about respect. It's not, I'm hot for you. It's, you're a good leader. You know, and that so that just, that really, it really again, torques me off. And I'm glad that they didn't go down the Rise of Skywalker route. And while Grogu was holding back the fire, that, you know, Din and Bo didn't have a moment. Thank God. I, you know, I, think I like worried about it just, for a second. Anyway, go ahead. Well, there's there's two actors who are uh, both gorgeous individuals, and so I think like that's where some of that just comes from. Some people are just like, oh, look at these two beautiful people; they should get together and make beautiful children. Um, and it's like, no, like within the context of the story, no, like he had very clearly stated his intentions like and he is an honorable man he has shown us that he is an honorable man and he is and he, he said i follow you i follow you because you are a good leader and and like that's as far as that me went it's as far as it needed to go anybody reading more into that is just you know being a little silly there's a desperation from some fans too yeah, that yeah. they cannot see a um, a, uh, a two characters of the opposite sex and not think there's going to be a romantic kind of thing. And you're like, not necessarily. And the, 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 the beauty of this story is that we've now seen Din come to a different place. We, he's, he's a place of acceptance. He's accepted that he's Grogu's dad. He's accepted that he's his role has changed. He's no longer the bounty hunter anymore. It's you know, all that's all this of the finale was 
all him coming to terms with who he was and what he could do. And what's beautiful about it is that it's got nothing to do with, hey, I met up cool with a with sort of cool chick and I fell in love with her. It's he did this because he felt he met Grogu and fell in love with him as a father. Well, I think we've uh, yeah. kind of went around the block a couple times on this. Uh, I mean, like I said, it was it, it was it was fine. Um, I think they they've ended. They could actually get away with not writing a season four and this these three seasons. It's yeah, just that's like a good point. We're you know, if if Disney doesn't re up us, you know, nobody feels again. It's not National Treasure two. Um, so. You know what I'll also say um, um, really briefly, one of the things Fredo mentioned uh, in the chat was that uh, the writer's strike is uh, oh, yeah. potentially coming. And, uh, you know, like if there's a lengthy delay, I, I think for sure they're doing a season four. But, um, you know, like, you know, maybe contracts get complicated and people can't they, they can't get schedules lined up, et cetera, et cetera. So, um yeah, I mean, if if it were to end here, I think it is a good ending. Yeah, at least you're not waiting and I think five I, years to see to find out who shot Jr. So yeah, yeah. I I think that I think one of the last story bits that I heard us uh, remember we talked about a season three was about to drop is that the majority, if not the totality, of the scripts for season four were already in place. So we yeah. could potentially see season four of Mandalorian next year, whether or not, I think the interesting dynamics can be more along how they do the work of lining up towards Dave Filoni's movie, if, as they hope, that's going to take place in 2026 or 2027, because that's kind of the, you know, the last time they had a writer's strike was something like five, six months, and it completely changed the landscape in Hollywood. So predicting how what will shake out of that, that of this will, you know, it's foolish. We got more reality TV out of that. Yay. Well, hey, kids, let us know what you thought of uh, these last uh, two uh, episodes of The Mandalorian. Like I said, I'm pretty sure that we'll probably have just kind of a a brief uh, retrospective on the entire season um, in a coming episode just to kind of see how it all tracks all together. Um, but we got more Star Wars stuff to talk about. We got more Star Wars stuff coming up. But let us know on Twitter or on Facebook or on the street what you thought of these last two episodes. And until then, we will say who dat? Who dat? Who dat? And everybody have an awesome, awesome week. My